your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. In fact, at 7.40, let's get into this right now because we've got George Hawley, Assistant Professor of Political Science at the University of Alabama, who specializes in America's conservative movement. Uh, good morning to you from Seoul. Good to have you on the line. Uh, yes, well, it is, uh, it's evening here, in but I'm delighted to talk to you. Indeed it is, and it's a pleasure to have you. Um, here's a quote from Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt. It is a sad day when a man who presided over the premier website of the alt-right is slated to be a senior staff member in the People's House, referring, of course, to Steve Bannon, uh, who you know, has been a a figure that the world has been talking about of late, having probably not given him a lot of attention uh, previously. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about him and, and the alt-right and, and just how worried we really should be? Well, um, the interesting thing is that there's this purported connection between Steve Bannon and the alt-right, and I'm not going to deny it entirely, but I actually think it would be an overstatement to declare Steve Bannon as being an alt-right figure or as Breitbart as being an alt-right website. And that's not to defend the things that Breitbart has published, but I do think there's a qualitative difference between Breitbart and the, the more significant hubs of uh, the alt-right per se. There's some similarities in tone and on the issues that they focus on, but I think it would be a mischaracterization of both Breitbart and the alt-right to call Breitbart an alt-right publication. And, and let's um, just deal with this alt-right thing, because we're just hearing um, in our glossary there, um, from a, you know attempted neutral perspective, the idea that uh, alt-right was a euphemism for white supremacy, uh, was a euphemism really for what uh, many, I'm sure, will have identified with fascist ideology in the past. Is that a fair description? Well, I... Uh I don't know about fascism per se, but I would say that the ultimate core of the alt-right is white nationalism. The person who invented the term doesn't deny being a white nationalist, though it is worth noting that when the alt-right as a concept was first invented, it was uh, a bit more ecumenical than it is today. That is, when it was first born around 2008, lots of people who were not white nationalists called themselves alt-right. It mm. was sort of a catch-all term for anyone who was right-wing but not necessarily uh, a neoconservative or that was right-wing and really had problems with the Bush administration. Yeah. Um, over the next year or so, really, especially after the website AlternativeRight.com was launched, it became quite clear that alt-right was a explicitly racial ideology, and yeah. it's largely remained such since then. I mean, um, so I, I would definitely say that alt-right is a uh, is a, uh, a white nationalist ideology, even if there are people who use the, who describe themselves as alt-right but not racist. I think such people don't understand their own, their own movement. Can we just go a little bit further into this term, white nationalist? Um, it, it, I mean, on what grounds would someone be 
white nationalists uh, typically? Would that be uh, based on, on the idea that uh, all other races are inferior? Would it be based on the uh, perhaps false notion that uh, the United States uh, is a white country in its origin, if they believe that? Well, I tried to be as uh, narrow as, as possible when, you, uh, when throwing around terms like white nationalist. I think it's definitely true that most people who call themselves white nationalists view other races, uh, other races as being inferior in some way. But there will be others who uh, call themselves white nationalists that say it's not an issue of superiority or inferiority. It's just that different racial groups shouldn't live together, um, as opposed to believing that there is some rank order of races. What is the appropriate response to this? Because um, now with Twitter, for example, uh, blocking certain accounts of uh, those identifying with alt-right, some have gone so far, including the actor James Woods, of of suggesting that, uh, you know, we're seeing extremist leftist views uh, now threatening freedom of speech, even threatening democracy, if we're going to start uh, you know, blocking the, the way that was uh, voted for by the American people. Yeah, there's a, a real question as to what is the appropriate response here. Um, obviously, Twitter is a private company, so they can ban whoever they like, but it, in a sense, plays into the alt-right's own narrative that... Uh, the media and corporations and the government are all conspiring against them when they're seeing you know, their prominent voices blocked from, uh, from things like social media purely on the basis of their views. Because some of the accounts that were blocked by Twitter did not apparently violate uh, anti-harassment rules, for example, on Twitter. It looks like they were blocked exclusively because of their ideas. And um, I can understand why even people who really despise the alt-right might have a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is this is the internet age, isn't it? This is an age where, you know, you, you might sit down with someone for dinner and think they were a perfectly reasonable, middle ground individual, uh, but then see some of their internet postings and they, they, they might be extremist one way or the other, right? I mean, it's the, it's the age of the keyboard warrior. Yes, and this is part of the reason for the alt-right's growth, that it's able to be so amorphous and anonymous. That is, there are people who probably have perfectly respectable bourgeois lifestyles during the day, and then they get on the Internet, and they have a, uh, a totally different persona, um, which um, expresses things that they would never express in polite company, and are able to inject themselves into conversations in a way that... Uh, in the pre-internet days, nobody would have ever heard mm. these voices. I wonder how meaningful that is, though. I mean, it, it, because whilst, um, whilst, of course, it's worrying to read hateful messages online, if that's their primary and maybe even only release, is it something that uh, we should be greatly concerned about? Does it really indicate uh, the possibility of of the alt-right actually becoming uh, something beyond the fringes in mainstream society? Well, it's a, that's an open question right now, because obviously, as an almost exclusively online phenomenon with relatively few people out there using their own names, the alt-right doesn't have the sort of institutions um, that are needed to affect real political change in a way that, say, conservatism or libertarianism or progressivism do. 
they're uh, at this point more of uh, sort of a, an irritation than a, a movement that has real power. Now that might change, but that I think is still um, unclear as to what the future is going to hold for that movement, as to whether or not you know we're going to see groundbreak on a real you know alt right think tank or something like that. That's more than just you know one person in a mailing address. Yeah, I'm also wary, to be perfectly honest, of of some of the media just running with this and and portraying it, it all as an ugly picture. When I mean, you've got guys in key positions like Reince uh, Priebus, who, who you'd say would be unlikely to go along with uh, some sort of fascist worldview. Um, Mitt Romney's even being discussed as a potential chief of staff. I mean, there, there will potentially be strongly balancing influences in the Trump administration. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, there's still all of the um, uh, constitutional checks and balances in the United States. And certainly, even if Trump were to be converted to an alt-right ideology, which I don't think he possesses now, he's still dealing with a Congress that is filled up with both Democrats and mainstream conservatives. There's no one in Congress that I would describe as alt-right or even close to it. So um, there, there may be a little bit of hyperbole right now in terms of just how much power the alt-right has or yeah. is likely to have in the near future. Yeah, whether that's driven by leftist media or just news editors out to gain clicks with dramatic headlines, we'll probably leave that question up in the air. Professor Hawley, thank you very much for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. George Hawley out of the University of Alabama. Uh, we're open to your suggestions, though. If you actually want to take this far more seriously uh, than we just heard there, you can tweet us right now at EFM this morning. You can text us, pound a sharp 1013 for 51 per message.